right, good morning. How about Leslie Walsh this morning? On Father's Day, she's mothering us and reminding us to trust God and that he has a plan. <laughs> and the nails, Isaac and John Nails, good to have given it's good to have them here today. Happy Father's Day. Did you guys hear I had my microphone on? Did you hear Sarah? Could you hear her coming through the microphone? She leaned over and goes, Don't screw this up. <laughs> it just gave me so much peace. I'm kidding, babe. You think it's like all spiritual and stuff, it's not. So Father's Day, um, I preached, ironically, last Father's Day. So I guess for Father's Day, Derek doesn't come here. That's two years in a row. <laughs> Just kidding. They're on vacation. They might be watching us from Puerto Rico. Uh, Derek, Beth, I miss you guys if you're eating your uh, huevos rancheros or whatever yummy Spanish <laughs> breakfast. Hope you're enjoying this. I did want to, I was not, so I did a bunch of dad jokes last year, and I wasn't going to do it this year, and then I woke up this morning, I'm like, I would do a disservice to all dads if I don't do a few uh, dad jokes, but I want to show you my gift. These are from my kids. Uh, they're not in here. They're probably still sleeping. They'll probably be in the second service. So it's a cup that says, dear dad, great job. We're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and on this side, you can't really see it, but there's all of us, and somehow my 20-year-old is bigger than me. It looks like we're drinking beer together, never happened. Um, and I look super old. You can't zoom in on it, but I showed Eric, where's Eric? I was like, Eric, look at my thing. And he goes, oh man, you look like 40. And I was like, I'm 43. And he was like, 47. I just walked away from him in disgust. Jeez, no, I'm just kidding. I can't keep this up there, it'll probably fall off. All right, quickly, into the dad jokes. I've only got a few. You're obligated to laugh. I looked these up this morning. All right, you ready? <clears throat> what did the seal with one fin say to the shark? If seal is broken, do not consume. <laughs> this one's a good one for you football fans. Why did the football coach go to the bank? To get his quarterback. <laughs> Get funnier every year. How, oh, I missed, I didn't do this. Oh, how do you fix a broken pumpkin? This one should be easy. With a pumpkin patch. <laughs> Not so good. Sounded better when I put it on there. This one I found to be quite uh, witty. You ready? Uh, I ordered a chicken and an egg online. I'll let you know. Which one's going to come first? <laughs> The chicken or the egg, it's stupid. Uh, two more. Which state is known for its small drinks? Minnesota. I'm from Minnesota. They have normal sized drinks, that joke is not. Uh, last one. When does a dad joke turn into a dad joke? When it becomes... <laughs> Wrong! When it becomes apparent. They have to be a parent. You have to be a parent. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here for 30 or 40 more minutes. And so will you. So welcome. Happy Father's Day, dads. Uh, if you missed last week, Antley Fowler was here, and he kicked off our new series, First and Second John, maybe Third John. It was awesome. Uh, no one quite communicates and preaches the way he, he does. He's, he's amazing. Uh, so many years in ministry. Uh, a huge influence on a lot of us here, specifically Derek and Beth. But if you miss it, the premise, he kind of gave us a summary. He said, don't, when you're reading these books, because they're challenging, don't use your Western eyes 
when you view them, you gotta, you got to take a step back and get a different perspective. And kind of the premise of his message was, hey, you know, following God's commands are born out of a transformed heart that only gets activated when we abide, when we're close, when we have fellowship with Jesus, right? And so that's, that's what he was preaching. And this book, these books that John writes, uh, they, they are challenging. But if you have that perspective, I think it'll be a lot e- easier to uh, consume. So I'm going to try not to confuse you. So John wrote these books, all right? John was one of the disciples. He was known as a disciple of, of love. He wrote the Gospel of John, three, the, these three letters, and he wrote the book of Revelation on the island of Patmos. So he, he has a lot to say in the New Testament and in Scripture. So because he's wrote so much, I think we should listen to a lot of the things he said. And First John and Second John, you're going to see, if you're unfamiliar with these books, they're written very uh, differently. He's like a preacher. Like, he doesn't have a linear way of communicating. He, like, he says a thing, and then he leaves, and says another really intense thing, and then he leaves. It's like he goes down these rabbit holes like me and Derek and other preachers do when we get up here. Uh, but it's, it's not a linear thought. It's more so I want you, when we read this, you'll see it's, cir- it's more circular. So he often, he makes a statement, he leaves it, and in his way of uh, teaching, he comes back to it. And usually with another view, another perspective, and you're going to see that uh, when we get into First, uh, first John. So because I want you to see some of the language, try to track with me. I'm gonna, we're going to read the first 10 verses of 1 John and the first 9 of 2 John, but I also want to compare from the Gospel of John, the first chapter, some of the words. So you're going to have to bounce around with me, but you guys are really smart. You're great at cell phones. I, f- I figured you guys could do this part. Oh, also, I forgot to say, uh, we're t- the forefathers' day, well, my, the whole hook of this thing is uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So just be looking for that throughout the whole thing. You know, and we like Star Wars, so you can never go wrong with that. So, with all that stuff said, I set that up. Open your Bibles, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, okay? This stuff is very cool. This is what he says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life, notice the word the, not just life, the life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and what we had heard, so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship These are very important words, you'll see, are with the Father and with the Son. Verse 4, we write this to make our joy complete. Okay, so John, disciple of love, Jesus says in another way that the Father has life in himself. So all life comes out of the Father, right? So he's saying these words, and the implications of what John is trying to paint to us are big. Right, we're, this is church, this is, we're talking you know, God stuff here. The implication is that the eternal God, the creator of everything that exists, we can know him in the most basic human way possible. We can know the God of the universe through fellowship, personally, relationally. We can know him, and he's saying we've seen it with our own eyes. Like he's come, the life the Father has life, we've seen him We're witnesses to it. You can have fellowship. You can have a relationship with the God, the king of the universe. And we did. And we did. 
and we know what it's looked like, and we are, compl- we are proclaiming this to you. We are testifying about this because this is God's desire for you and for me, and he wants to make it complete, right? And you're going to see that word complete a lot. God, in his holiness and his perfection, he's always about the completion, fullness, wholeness. These are all adjectives that describes holiness, fullness, in relationship, right? So keep track with me. Now go uh, John chapter one, right? These are some of the most famous words ever written in uh, anywhere. You'll see, you've probably heard of them. Uh, John, the gospel of John chapter one, in the beginning was the word. Now notice some of the similarity in languages. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, there is nothing. Nothing was made that has been made. Verse four, in him was life. See that? Eternal life. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Awesome. All right, jump back to 1 John, back into the fifth verse. I just want to read all these together. It's better to get the big picture, all right? Uh, Verse five, this is the message we have heard from him. Remember, they saw him, they touched him, they, they, they lived with him, they were in community with him. This is what we heard from him and declare to you. Now, this is important. God is light. This is the message that they, this is what he wants to say, all right? You're about to see the circles in this way that he communicates. In him, there is no Darkness at all. God is light, and there is literally no darkness at all. He's, there's no shadows in God. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie. Man, that's hard to say out loud. We lie, and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purify, purifies us from all sin. These are intense words this guy is writing. Now, this is the last time we're going to jump back over to the Gospel of John, and then we'll stay over in the, in the uh, first John. So verse 6 of chapter 1, similar language. Now, tra- just keep tracking with me. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning this light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world, even though the world was made through him, they did not recognize him. We can know him. He came to to those that were his own, but they did not receive him. Now, this is the very last part that you got to read, verse 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive them, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be called children of God, not by natural descent or by human decision or by a husband's will or anyone's will, but born of God. All right, I know that was a lot of scriptures. I got to drink water because I barely was breathing. All right, track with me, right? A lot of cool kind of poetic language, but John's given us the the full picture. The God of all things is like pure light. There's no darkness in him. There's no sin in him. There's no evil in him. He is complete in all things, holiness, perfection, and fullness. But us, but us, we are the opposite of this light. Light and darkness are opposites in comparison. We, are, we do have sin. We do struggle. We are not complete. And a lot of times, we're not okay. Like Leslie was saying, we show up to things and we're busted up. We're bummed out. We're broken. We're hurting. We're in sin. 
We're out of sin, someone's sinning against us. There's injustice around us in the world. We're just, we're not like that. The light and darkness, sometimes it's so opposite, right? He's like light and darkness, they don't mix. Yet this perfect God, this father of light wants us to come near him and give us the one thing we could never attain on our own, righteousness, sonship, daughtership. Can you believe that the father of the universe wants to call you a son? He wants to call you a daughter. He loves you. And that literally his, the, the whole message of Jesus with the, John who spent three and a half years with Jesus face to face says, he wants to have fellowship with you. This light, this perfect, holy being that created all things, nothing is here without him, wants to pour his love on you so that your joy is complete, is full. This is heavy stuff, I know, but this is the gospel. This is what Jesus was teaching these guys. This is what they were picking up, relationship. And it's not something that we can get. It's not born by anyone's decision. Someone can't make it happen for you. It's born. It's a spiritual rebirth, or as Jesus told uh, Nicodemus by himself alone uh, at a fire, you must be born again. It's the only person he ever said it to. We've used it a lot, but it was with one person at night eating a fish. He said, you got to be born again. Incredible. We have no rights to these things outside of, of Jesus. He's the one that does it, Right? And what about this whole thing by walking in the light? It says, well, if you don't walk in the light, you're a liar. I am definitely a liar because I don't do that all the time and I don't want to be. And I'm supposed to have fellowship with God, but it's like light and darkness and they can't mix. What does it mean to walk in the light? Like it said in verse 7, if you, you got to walk in the light. So everybody likes firemen stories. I'm a fireman if you don't know that. People ask me all the time, what is it uh, like going to a house fire? I say, it's scary and very hot. Um, Every single time. 16 years of doing this, I've been to a lot of fires now. And uh, I'll tell you a quick house fire story. So like three weeks ago, 3.45 a.m., uh, we're all sleeping and the buzzer goes off for structure fire. So the ACs in this room, when they kick on, they have this sound that's very, very similar to the tone for a house fire. So every time I'm in this place and my and be, body hears that sound, my heart rate jacks up and I'm like, Duh! you know, like immediately I'm like, oh, this is, I'm wearing a Pastor Dave hat, not Fire Dave hat here. Uh, but it's, I can't, it makes a, it's, it's specifically to that and it just gets you riled up, you know. But I'm old now, you saw my cup. And so these middle of the night things, you're just like, oh, it's not as exciting. So we pop up, and I'm driving. We all, and it's very exciting, right? Everyone's, you know, running into each other in the bay because trying to get their pants on as they're running to the truck. So we're going, and I'm, I mean, I'm barely, like, where? It's the street, the Hammock Grove Drive, and I'm like, trying to remember. There's 17,000 streets where the fire engine is, and I'm like, oh, I'm trying to remember. I'm like, I don't know where it is. It pops into my head. I'm like, yeah. And I mean, we're going. And usually when it's burning, if, it's, if someone calls at this time of day, this sucker is on. It had some time to stew, right? So I turn onto the street, and most times when, these, when they're bad, there's so much smoke on the street, I can barely get the fire truck down the road. But there's no smoke. So I'm turning, I'm like, oh, this thing ain't burning. I say that to Nick. He's, he's right next to me. He's the lieutenant. I'm like, this ain't burning, man. And we get down there. We're looking at all the addresses, and there's people waving down there. No smoke at all. Like, oh, we got some waivers. That's what we call them. We got some waivers. <laughs> They're waving at us. So we get down there, and so we pull up to this house, this two-story house, very nice neighborhood. Front door is wide open. People in the front yard. As I pull, I'm driving. I look down. 
Inside the house, the door's open, all the lights on, and it's completely clear. There is no smoke in there at all, nothing. And I pull all the way past, and Nick's like, you see anything? I said, man, I don't see anything. We get to the very end of the house, and I look, and you can see some flames in the backyard. And I said, man, I I see some pretty good flames. It looks like it could be the tree. I don't think it's in the house. So I set the brake. He hops out. The other guys are doing all their thing, and he walks to the back of the house. When he gets to the back of the house and he looks, there is heavy fire pouring out of the second-story window. You couldn't tell at all. And he's like, hey, we got to go in. It is. And so you see, I see all my, our, our firefighters, these young guys, they're pulling dry. They're going into this house, no smoke, pulling the hose in. Everything looks fine. Everything on the outside looks great. But just above them, three of the four bedrooms up there were on fire. Smoke, I mean, they got burnt, Nick and them burnt their ears. It was a bad one. I mean, it was free burning, but there was no smoke. And I say all that to say that's like us sometimes. Like, that's, our, that's a picture of me and you. That's our, our Christianity. Like, they don't really mix, but sometimes you can't tell, can you? You might look like you got things all good on the outside and maybe even inside a little bit, but sometimes just above you, it's just darkness, Right? We are constantly fighting the battle of trying to walk in the light, and we just keep on bumping into darkness and smoke all the time. I do. It's the Christian life. At some points in my journey with Jesus, I have been walking in the light, and I've been feeling close to him, and then there's other times where I find myself far away from God, in the darkness, sinning, or feeling bad for myself because somebody sinned against me. See, all I say all that, they say John is reminding us that sin is a big deal and has to be dealt with. And we don't talk about it a lot because it's uncomfortable. It can't mix with the, the life of a follower. If you do it, you're lying. If you say you walk in the light and you sin, you're lying. Very intense. There's no shadows in God. He's, God is light. There is no darkness in it all. And we, we can't mix. I know that feels bad. I'll get to it in a minute. Verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, then we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Wow. Look at that last one. I know this is hard to hear, but the reality is this is about as loving of a way as he could communicate to us as a, as a, as a preacher and as a follower. I'm going to explain. John is trying to tell us, stay humble. Stay humble. Stay repentant. Live a repentive lifestyle. Keep these things on the surface Light and darkness don't mix. Sin can creep in. Sometimes you won't even notice it, but it's happening. Be humble. Live repentively. Don't think too much of yourself. This is what pride will do to us. You can't manage it. We got to let God advocate for us as who he is. Grace, of course, grace upon grace. It's amazing. He will always pour this out onto us when we go near to him. But we tend to get in our pride, we tend to wander away from God, don't we? And forget that we are sinners in need of saving Jesus. We need him to save us. He's reminding us, be humble, stay close to the light, stay close to him. His desire is for relationship. His desire is to clean you up and to expel, 
that sin, to expel that darkness in your life. And the closer you are to Jesus, the more that darkness is pushed away. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on now. Bind. We, we, we tend to wander away. Sarah's uh, got a tattoo on her shoulder that's really cool. It's a 300-year-old, it's a line from a three-year-old hymn that says, bind my wandering heart to thee. And I think, to me, that's kind of what John is trying to say in a lot of cool, crazy, intense words is, stay close to him. We will wander away, and easily we'll get away. Mary Beth, is she in here? Well, she read, and it just popped into my head, she was doing devotional for staff, and she read uh, in her devotional that just stuck with me. It was a Paul Tripp devotional. It says, we tend to view ourselves as law abiders and not lawbreakers. And I think we, it's, it's, we need to remember that we, we sinned. We have fallen short from the glory of God, and we need to bind ourselves to him. The binding, it comes through humility. That's what walking in the light is like. It's staying close to him. It's humbling ourselves. It's being repentive. Psalms, where like it says in Psalms 119.10 in the King James, with my whole heart I have sought thee. Oh, let, not, oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. That's an awesome one. And we need to hear it. So John says all that intense stuff, he's fixing to make his turn here in the second chapter. All right, go with me now. Look, look at, so he was intense, and now look how his tone changes. Very sweet. He says, my dear children, I write to you this, write this to you so that you will not sin. So he's like, look, it's a big deal. Jesus died for it. Don't pretend like it's, you can just, it's darkness. But if you do, if you sin, I know you're going to sin. I said that to make it sting a little bit if you're going to sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate. We have an advocate, the Father, Jesus, the righteous one. Jesus is our advocate. Verse 2, this is a very famous verse. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. That's in the NIV. If you're wondering who Jesus died for, whose sins he came to take, everyone's, the whole world's, says it clearly here. In fact, John the Baptist said it too. It's the sins of the whole world, that word atoning is the word uh, in Greek, propitiation. It's a very famous religious word. It just literally means uh, atonement, uh, debt paying, satisfaction uh, of, of a debt being paid. And the, tr- the truth is, Jesus died for us to pay our debt, to pay our sin. He is the atoning sacrifice. He took my place. Propitiation. So John makes his turn. A turn. He makes it very clear: light and darkness cannot mix. Believers and sin uh, can't mix. But if we do sin, Jesus is the only one that can expel that sin in my life. And that is his desire is for us to have a relationship with him, so he can do it. Jesus, the great lover of our souls, the friend of sinners, the one that goes after the lost, after the wanderers, the Lamb of God. He takes the place. He is the sacrifice. John's seeing all this stuff, and he would have heard the other John, John the Baptist, say the same thing. Some of the most incredible things you'll ever hear. Behold, they beheld him, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the whole world. All right, keep coming with me. Verse 3, John 2. We know that we have come to him if we keep his commands. Here we go with those commands. What commands? Whoever says, I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. Notice that, tr- that completeness, the fullness, no shadows, no mixture. 
What is this command? This is how we are to know him. Verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Did you hear that one? John's making it as plain as possible now. He's kind of, he's getting away from his circular pattern of beautiful language. And he was like, this is very simple. If you, if you say you, live, you, you follow Jesus, you got to live like Jesus did. And this guy saw it. He was a witness. He saw what the light of God looks like in a human being on the earth. And he said, you got to live like Jesus. And I don't know how that makes you feel. But when I read that, I felt a lot of things. It landed on me pretty heavy. And I think we should ask ourselves this morning, we're in church. Those of you that are in this room, you profess faith in Christ. Do we, do you, do I, do we live like Jesus did? Can you honestly say you're living like Jesus? And maybe this, maybe even, do you even know what that means? Do I know what that means? What does that look like? Do we live like Jesus lived? Before you start feeling bad and feeling like this is a terrible day to come to church, John answers it very quickly, okay? Verse 7, go with me now. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. Yet, watch how tricky this is. Verse 8, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. I'm going to explain this to you. Very incredible things that he's writing here. But look at the emphasis on the darkness. Remember, the light, darkness, the darkness is passing. It references that it's a process. It's not something that's just once and done. But I would say the closer you are to light, the faster the darkness retreats. You ever been in the, like in the bunk room at the fire station, complete darkness, and then bam, all the lights come on to go to the fire. That darkness gets out of there quick. But man, you can be outside in the dark at night and you can see a star burning and it looks little tiny bit. It's just so small, yet it's burning so intensely it's boiling the gas around it. It's, it's, it's putting out that much light and that much energy. The closer we are to God and the closer we are to Jesus, the faster the darkness retreats. So what is this old command, new command? He sounds kind of like a, a double-minded here. Like, what are you talking about? You got to go all the way back to the beginning. You got to go all the way back to, back to Sinai, to the desert, to Moses, Right? Leviticus 19.18, the Jewish people have, would have heard this their whole existence. Look at verse 19.18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. They had asked Jesus before, what's the greatest commandment? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. These are things that they are heard before. All the Israelites, the Jewish people, but John, the, the, the disciple, heard Jesus say this in an upper room. The night before his death, as Jesus is instituting communion, having one last meal with his peoples, with his, with his friends, with his community, John would heard him say this, verse 34 of John 13, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must all also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one one another. So John was a disciple. He saw this. He was inviting us into this space. And he was saying, look, Jesus is fulfilling. It becomes a full, the completed work. You've heard it said, love your neighbor as yourself. But in Jesus, he completes that work. And his command within that is to be disciples, love one another. Love the other disciples. Love the people in your community, just like Jesus was showing them in that moment and had for three years. 
He was loving them. He's, 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 it, it, it talks about commentators saying that night Jesus was pouring out his full extent of his love on them because it was the last night. And he was just, he was making it plain. And he was like, look, you, you wanted to be a disciple. You want to be a follower? Jesus put the pinnacle, the, the top of discipleship as love for the other brethren. Everything funnels down as a disciple, as a follower, by the way that we love one another, the other Christians. And I would say this. And this may sting a little, maybe not for you guys because you're all here, but how are we supposed to love other Christians if we're never around any? You know, if we're not in community. I mean, how are we supposed to, to, to do this command of loving one another if we don't get into small groups, we don't, we don't go to city group, we don't come to church often? You guys obviously all love Jesus very much, you're here. Uh, but you see what I'm saying? And, or maybe you're new to the faith. Maybe you're new to this whole concept of being a disciple. And you're like, I want to do this, but I don't really know how to start it. Start here at church. This is a community of believers. Come here. Come help us become an anchor. Come hold babies. What's more loving than being an anchor and holding babies? We need help over there. We need help over here. Come, come love Jesus and love other people in the faith by serving in kids. Come and do these things. Start there. Start here. we got to love one another. This is the command of Jesus the night before his death. You've heard it said, a new command, love one another. Sounds very nice, Dave. Love everybody. So right after foot washing, uh, he's, he's, he's painting this whole thing. They're in that room. He, Jesus is modeling for us. He's like, this is what this looks so. Yes, love everyone. Great. But what, what does that look like? What does it look to live like Jesus? He's, Jesus is showing us as an example right here. He's, he's modeling it. He's serving them. He's washing their feet. He's cleansing them. He's forgiving faults and failures. He's not just being nice, right? He's, he's modeling what love like a disciple looks like. It looks like service, serving, humility, repentance. It even says in, uh, Paul writes that, Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider the fact that he was God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He humbled himself and took on the very nature of a servant. Love like this serves one another. On the same night after the foot washing, go to John 15, look at the stuff Jesus is saying. I mean, he is, he is, it is very clear. This is to my Father's glory that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be disciples. As, I, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? This is his desire for us. Remain in my love. Like he knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's the lamb of God. And he's telling him, remain in my love. It must have been so intense. If you, commit, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as the father, uh, I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. Again, imagine I'm saying it. And that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. Imagine yourself in this room with Jesus and hear him saying these things. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not do, know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. Jesus calls you friend. That's how he views you, a relationship. He loves you. Everything I've learned from my father I've made known to you. I did not, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may bear, go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. What kind of fruit? Spirit, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. 
And so that whatever you ask in my, the name, uh, ask in my name, the Father will give you. La- lastly, he says it again. This is my command, love each other. This is Jesus' one of his last messages, love each other. What does it look like to love or live like Jesus? That's a long story. No, I'm just kidding. That's, there's a lot to that, right? Say, hey, just love everybody. Uh, what I'm saying today, I'm, throughout this series, this is what we're going to explore. We're followers. We're disciples. The pinnacle of discipleship starts with love for one another, right? But we're talking about what that means. We, we hear love and we, we attach to emotions usually like, oh, and I know I get emotional. Of course I do. But it's much bigger than that. For you type A's or the people in this room are like, this is sticking to me. I want to know what it's like. I want to know what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. Here you go. You go seek it out yourself. I'm going to give you, you write this down. You write, you want something to go look at. Here you go. This stuff is awesome. First Peter 3, 8 through 12. Tons of practical examples of what this looks like. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, a bunch of, this is the love chapter, very specific on what it looks like to love like Jesus, and probably the greatest stuff that you'll ever read, and you should read as much as possible, and I need to do it too, Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Detailed, practical, step-by-step things you can do as a Jesus follower to love those around you and love your neighbor as yourself and love your fellow believers. It's all in there. It's awesome stuff. Go read it. If you're, if you're moved in any way, go look at this yourself. Seek it out. You don't need me to tell you because we're on the journey. Like I said, it's a process, the light being expelled. We're, try, we're all trying to get closer to Jesus and love one another, but I didn't want to get into the practicalities because I know it's a process. I just wanted to say, let's be moved. Let's get closer to Jesus and let's examine ourselves in humility and let's love people. Let's love the people in this room. Let's love this community of believers. Let's pray for each other. Let's serve one another. Let's forgive each other when we mess up. How about that one? Let's forgive each other when we, we, we do things wrong, when we, when we hurt one another. Let's cleanse one another like Jesus did washing those disciples' feet. Command of love, ever-increasing, abounding love. Paul put it this way in 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians 4, 9 through 10. Now, as to, you, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Amazing. For indeed, you do practice it towards all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But listen to this. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more abounding love, pursuing love in this way, or as he prayed for the Philippians, uh, Philippians 1.19, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and discernment. Abounding love grown from the Spirit of God as we're grafted in. He is, we, 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 he's the one that through the Spirit that grows these fruits, these love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You know, we attach it to emotions. I'm an emotional guy, if you guys haven't figured that out. Um, and maybe you're in this room today and you're like, I just, I don't, the emotions is not my thing. Crying, I don't express that. And to be honest with you, maybe you're in this room and you're like, I'm just like, you came in a little bit like Leslie, like I'm bummed out, I'm burned out, I'm beat up feeling. Maybe you're struggling with a sin and you're hearing that word sin and you're feeling a certain type of way. Maybe you're just not okay, you know, like it's just not doing good. I mean, you're here, like you're good enough to get into this place, but you're like, I'm not feeling spiritual. Uh, I don't think I really love anyone in this room or even feel that close to anybody in here, let alone feeling close to God. I mean, this is nice things that he's saying, but I just don't feel okay. 
And maybe you're struggling with something that's just got you beat down. And I, that is a bad, bad place to be. And I've, I've been there. You know, what do you do with that? You know, when it's like, take the emotions out. He's saying love each other, but I, I'm still kind of new to this space and I just don't feel right. Man, sometimes the kindest thing about Jesus is that he just lets you not be okay. And he doesn't judge you for it. He just wants you near him. So he can cleanse you and remind you that he forgives you. Like, man, you think you, when you're not feeling right, you go near to Jesus and he, he's, he's so good, he just wants to say he forgives you. He wants to remind you that he cleansed your sin off, that he took your place. Sometimes you don't know what to do with your Christianity, your faith. You hear all these different things. Sometimes the best thing to do is just fight to get close to him so you can hear Jesus remind you that he loves you as he cleanses you like he did in that upper room, like what John and those disciples heard, where you can hear him say, hey, when you don't know what to do with this faith stuff, love one another. Start there. Just love one another. That's what he would say when you get to those intimate spaces with God, those upper rooms, there was, this, uh, there was this old crazy preacher uh, prophet guy that I kind of grew up around in Beaches Chapel and Redeemer. His name was Costa the Air. Small Israeli guy. Said some super cool stuff. But I, I was like 17 when I heard him say this. He said, when we are free of mixture, God can use us in full measure. And I never forgot that. When we are free of mixture, God can use us in full measure. Fullness, completeness. What is he really after? When we, it's that love. It's like, what does God want to use in us? The love. The, the spirit of God is love, joy, peace, patience. There's no shadows in God, and God is the, the light of God is, is, is pushing those things away so that we won't be in mixture. Abounding love of Jesus, ever-increasing love uh, for the brethren. I told you I was going to talk about Star Wars, and I am. So um, we're going to finish with this. Is there any Star Wars nerds in here? There we go. Say it loud and proud. I'm not one. I like it. You guys are nerds, uh, but I don't like it that much. <laughs> Sarah's got laughing now, giggles. Um, but anyway, Kaylee and Sadie, they're nerds, and they went like, Dad, we're going to watch a new uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I don't know who wrote Star Wars, but man, he came up with some cool names. Obi-Wan Kenobi, not as cool as Optimus Prime, but still very cool. Uh, does anyone know who Optimus Prime is? Cool name. You guys, I thought someone would be like, yeah, or some one of you uh, Transformer nerds. But anyway, so the new premise of this, oh, spoiler alert, it's in the very first episode, so if you haven't, if you're into that, plug your ears, but you'll miss the best part of the sermon, so anyway. Um, Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi, so the premise is the Jedis of like lost power, and they're fleeing for their lives, and all the Jedis are hiding, and there's these bad guys called the uh, Inquisitors, and they're going around the galaxy like hunting all the Jedis, and they're, just, and they're just exterminating them, and they're hiding out, and the people in different planets are hiding them, right? And in the first episode, these very scary-looking Inquisitor bad guys show up, and they end up in this like big bar-like place, and they're in there looking for Jedi's, and uh, the people are hiding Jedi's, and they're in, you know, they're asking him all these questions, and then he says this line. He was like, "I know you have Jedi's in here, because their compassion always leaves a trail." And I thought about this, and I was like, "Man, what if our compassion, our love, our peace, our joy could leave lead a trail?" That when people are around us, when they're around Jesus' followers, they feel forgiven, they feel loved, they feel accepted, they feel invited into the ocean of grace. Man, 
What if our compassion could leave a trail like that? Let's live like Jesus. Let's love like Jesus. Let's learn. Let's ever increasing, like Paul said, let's abound and abound and abound. And let's be humble and bind our hearts to Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away our sins and loves us. Will you stand? Father God, I pray for every single person in this room today, Father, wherever they're at with their faith, wherever they're at with their Christianity, their journey, God, that you would meet them there, that you speak to their hearts, Father, and that you do a work in them this morning, God. We love you. We thank you that you save us. God, help us. Give us strength to love one another like you taught. In Jesus' name.